Welcome to the Dream Big, My Friend podcast, where you will find all the inspiration you need to begin living a more intentional life today. Because no matter where you are right now in life, it's never too late to dream big, my friend. And now here's your host, Francis Vitakovic. Welcome, my friends, to this episode, which is all about relationships and the things that we can proactively do to strengthen the relationships that we are in. So for the record, I've been with my husband for 22 years, and even though we have totally different personalities, we are chalk and cheese. He's the laid-back realist. While I'm the eternal optimist, we have absolutely made it work because we balance each other out so well. So in this episode, I'm going to be sharing a few of the tips that I've learned along the way over the last few decades, but I'm going to start with something really important before we dive in. And it's number one, this is my philosophy, is that your partner is not responsible for your happiness. Now, I know that this might sound totally crazy for me to say this, and some might think, oh, she's got this really wrong. Of course, my husband and partner should make me happy. I want you to really understand the truth, which is this. Every human in this world is responsible for their own happiness. No one can force you to be happy. No one can make you be happy except yourself because your feelings of happiness will come from the thoughts that you choose to have about your circumstances. And that same thing applies to your husband. No one can force your partner to be happy unless they're choosing to think happy thoughts. So remember, it's all about how you choose to view your circumstances and the same thing applies in your relationship. You could have a partner who comes home today with a million roses and the wife might still not be happy. She might choose to think, well, he's picked the wrong color or he should know by now that I don't even like roses. I like tulips or do you know what? That was the biggest waste of money. This definitely happens all the time where you have someone do grand gestures for someone and it's just not appreciated because the way that they assumed it would be received isn't quite the way it was received because that person chose to have different thoughts. So depending on your mood or your thoughts or whatever is going on in your head right now, your husband could behave one way today and you might think it's really cute and romantic and he could do the exact same behavior on another day and you might find it to be really frustrating or annoying. So that's just the way that things work, knowing ahead of time that your thoughts are such a powerful indicator of your happiness levels, whether it's to do with your relationship or your work or the way you parent your children, it all comes down to your thoughts. And for me personally, I just have always viewed a healthy relationship as being just a loving relationship between two people who are on this spiritual journey together. Of course, they know they can trust each other and they can depend on each other, but they also come together knowing that they're responsible for generating their own feelings of happiness. They don't need someone else to change in order for them to be happy. So knowing this, and this is like my key philosophy to any healthy relationship, whether it's with your partner or with your kids or with your friends or family, knowing that you are responsible for generating those feelings of happiness yourself, I'm going to share with you a little story. And of course, it is to do with the time when I lived in that little European village where all the villagers were incredibly mature. And I once asked them about love and I remember them looking back at me and they had those eyes as if they'd seen them all because here in this village, they didn't do delusional thinking and they didn't do this whole wish and hope upon a bright star. They sort of understood that life is what it is and they intuitively understood that it was up to them to create their own happiness. And rather than feeling like despondent about the fact that 
This is their life. They have to make the best of it. It actually granted them so much more acceptance. They came across as feeling very free. They'd all simply decided to be happy with their lot. Now, for months, I thought it was really weird. Like, here are all these couples. They're really happy. There's not much divorce over there. And I didn't understand it till I had this friend who shared a story with me. And it went like this. He said to me, in our village, we understand that there is no such thing as perfection. We know that there's no such thing as a perfect husband. We know there's no such thing as a perfect wife or a perfect marriage or a perfect child. And while I admit my own parents are happy and content, he said, that doesn't mean that they are the perfect pair. The truth is there are probably a thousand women on this planet who might be more ideally suited to my dad. And if he had married any one of those more ideal women for him, he might have lived a much happier life. But, and note this was a big but, there are at least a million women on this world who would have been a worse option for him, who would have brought him only sorrow and pain. And it is a little bit like Glotto, he said. You can keep on searching and playing the game in hopes of scoring some elusive jackpot where someone seems to tick every single box that you've ever set for your perfect partner. You could wait for that. Or you can be happy when you find someone who just feels right for you and that he recommended that you shouldn't ever risk a good, stable love in search for perfection because perfection doesn't exist. And remember, it's commitment that precedes happiness and not the other way around. So back when I heard this, I was like in my early 20s, I took this advice to heart. I actually thought it was a really clever analogy that could be applied to all areas of life, like even work. I'd previously watched some of my friends float from job to job. They're always quitting when they found this fatal flaw with their role. And I personally thought it was a commitment issue because not every job can possibly suck that bad, I used to think. You know, the fact that it doesn't have a water view doesn't mean it's a fatal flaw that you need to quit. And my parents had taught me, you know, work and school, it's not always going to be fun. There are going to be some bad bits, but as long as you enjoy your work most of the time, as long as there's something there that sets your heart on fire, you can sort of afford to ignore a few of the minor negatives that come along with the territory because that is life. There's going to be bad bits and there's going to be good bits. And it does make sense that this analogy is applicable to relationships too. If you yourself have scored a great guy who loves you or a great woman and you love them, then you should consider yourself lucky. And I don't really recommend that anyone throws away a fantastic lotto ticket. Let's just say you've got five out of the seven numbers that you needed. Doesn't mean that you throw it away because you're trying to go for seven out of seven because chances are that day will never come and that is not what commitment is about. And this brings me to the five things that I have learned about relationships over the years. So we're going to start with number one, which is what does commitment actually mean? Now, there are lots of different definitions for the term commitment, but the one that sums it up best for me is this. When you are willing to devote your time and energy to something you believe in and you make a firm promise or decision to do something, that for me is commitment. So marriage by definition is actually a publicly made commitment to love and stay with someone until death do us part. So it's a mutually agreed relationship. The expectation is that it involves important behaviors such as exclusivity, trust, honesty, and respect, and whatever else you deem a relationship to have. So when you're committed to someone, you give yourself in whole to the other person in the relationship. So you stay faithful and loyal to that other person. You're present in times of need and you stick with them through the inevitable rougher waves no matter what. So love is this unconditional commitment to this imperfect person. We're all imperfect, remember. And to love somebody isn't just this strong feeling. It's a decision you make. It's a judgment you have. It's a promise you choose to keep. 
Commitment means staying loyal to what you said you were going to do long after that mood you set it in has left you. And there will be times in your relationship and marriage where, yes, you're definitely not going to be feeling it, but you do it anyway. So my tip number two is stop expecting things to be perfect. So if you follow this one piece of advice in your life, like just stop expecting things to be perfect, you probably would be twice as happy straight away because that is one of the biggest pitfalls in life. We just expect things to be perfect. Now, I think I said at the beginning, like I'm proud to call myself this optimist. Why my husband tags himself, he's a realist, you know, and I used to mock his negativity. But there's something to be said about keeping things real. I mean, when you look at the universe and nature, they have so many valuable lessons to teach us if we actually pay attention. So look at the seasons, for example. We experience winter, then spring and autumn and summer, year in and year out. It's a predictable cycle and our relationships go through those same cycles and it's our responsibility to accept that your life is what you make it. So if you want to experience conflict every day for the rest of your life, go right ahead. Go and start fights. Go and look for things to nitpick over. But don't complain when you make this choice. You need to take ownership of the fact that you are in control of your own life. We all need to accept that while we have this great potential to create a great life, we've got the potential, but you actually need to take action and you need to actually do what you want to do. If you want to have a loving relationship, work to create a loving relationship. And if you have an issue with the past, you sometimes just need to let it go. It's done and dusted, except that people make mistakes in marriage and relationships. We're going to make heaps of mistakes, but no one is perfect. And that means you too. You're probably not perfect either. Do we see that? I can say I'm not perfect, but I'm far from it. So we just need to stop it pretending that we don't have these flaws when we do. A relationship is really just a union of two imperfect people doing the best they can. And that takes me to my third tip, which is don't confuse your own frustration with a problem with the relationship. So this is such a common thing, my friends, honestly. When we're frustrated, we have a tendency to want to blame other people like they're responsible for me feeling this way. They're responsible for me feeling crap. Not true. You have to sort of nip that in the bud straight away. You are a fully grown adult now. That means you can take responsibility for your own thoughts and your own feelings. And if you're in a relationship and you're feeling frustrated and you don't quite understand where those thoughts of frustration came from, your partner's probably going to bear the brunt of it. But it's important to stop it as soon as you feel the frustration rising. You need to ask yourself, well, why are you so upset? If you're frustrated with work, let's just say, accept that this is the case and don't take those negative feelings out on your partner. Your partner isn't your boss. Your partner isn't your main work colleague. They're often just an innocent bystander that sort of get caught in the line of fire when you're shooting bullets when you come home from work because you're so annoyed. You really need to learn to separate the two. If you're going to blame your partner for the frustration that you feel due to other areas in your life, it's just going to be introducing more chaos into your life. So if you're feeling frustrated that you can't stick to a diet or a health goal, just acknowledge this and do your best to address the real problem rather than taking it out on your husband. If you are simply in a bad mood, just accept that this is the case and wait for those bad feelings to pass. They always do. Just try not to give too much weight to your frustration or let it negatively impact your relationship because that's just going to introduce more problems that are really not necessary. And this takes me to tip number four, saying I'm sorry and actually meaning it. So I think it is so amazing that one of the things that we always drill into our kids is to say sorry when they're in the wrong 
Sometimes even when they're not in the wrong. Have you ever done that yourself? Like, just say sorry, my friend. Come on. It's not too hard. It will make everything better. I mean, we tell our kids to do it. And yet as adults, those two precious words, very rarely do they slip out of our lips. We seem to have this like massive issue with admitting that we're wrong and saying, I'm sorry. And maybe it's because with little kids, it's so obvious when their actions are in the wrong. So let's just say you might have Benny, he snatched a toy and that's wrong. Or Jenny kicked her sister and obviously she shouldn't have done that. But when we get to adulthood, both parties often are prepared to go to court to defend their case. Like they are so confident that they were right, 100% right. And and that the judge will obviously see that the other person's at fault as long as they have ample time to state their case. Well, guess what? Sometimes it's just easy to say I'm sorry rather than turning every issue into a World War III debate. We honestly don't always have to justify our excuses or what we think are our legitimate reasons. Let's just say you got stuck in traffic and you came home late and now your partner's really upset with you because she has a meeting to go to and now she's really late. Why not just apologize for your tardiness? Just say I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Nothing wrong. If someone's upset with you, it's not always a personal attack that you have to defend yourself against. Sometimes you can diffuse a situation just by saying those two words, I'm sorry. And let's just say that you were sent to the shops and you came home with the wrong tub of ice cream. Let's just say your partner asked for chocolate and you came home with vanilla because it was the only one in stock. Just say, sorry, I forgot. I made a mistake. It's all good. Hearing the words, I'm sorry, said sincerely, is almost as lovely as hearing someone say, I love you. In fact, I would go as far as saying that apologizing to your loved one is another way of saying, I love you to your partner. I love you enough that I don't need to defend myself. I love you enough that I actually care that you're upset. I love you enough to admit that I might have made a mistake. It also means I know you're upset at me and I wish you weren't. If I could take it back, I would, but I can't. So I'm apologizing and can we please move on from this? If you are the one who is doing the apologizing, I just stress that your apology should be sincere. I mean, we're grown-ups now. We understand the meaning of a tone, don't we? So if you say the words, you know, I'm sorry, I love you, and you do it when you're rolling the eyes or you're like spitting it out in spite, People can tell that it's not genuine. So just if you're going to apologize it, do it with some feeling, be sincere. And if you're the recipient of an apology, sometimes it's okay just to accept it graciously. You don't get a reward for like hanging out till you have 10 apologizing or someone has to beg for your affection or to put everything right. There's nothing wrong with just saying thank you. Life is not this game show where holding out longer for something grants you this bigger prize. Sometimes a sincere apology is your big prize. Maybe it won't come out exactly the way that you hoped it would, maybe with a long foot massage. But if it comes from the heart and your partner's learning to speak up when he's done something wrong, I think that's something special and you can't go back and turn time. So for you to beat your partner up over something that can't be changed anymore, it's just going to cause you and your partner so much more grief. Just consider accepting an apology, especially if it's sincere. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't need time to process something if something more serious has happened, but just to accept an apology and from there you can move on. So this takes me to my final tip. There are always going to be time wasters and stupid things to fight about. I mean, every day in everyone's life, things are going to prop up that you did not plan for, like that flat tire on the way to work. Maybe there's no milk in the fridge. Maybe you have an unexpected guest come over. Someone's bothering you with their telemarketing calls. Maybe it's raining just when you've put the washing out. I mean, I could go on and on when it comes to things that 
happen that we didn't plan for. And then guess what? It does. It makes us feel irritated and annoyed. And when we're feeling irritated and annoyed, we're more prone to having fights. And some of these really silly fights, there's no purpose to them. They, they leave a sour taste in your mouth. They make you wish that you could just start the day again. Just be wary of falling into fights that have no purpose. This is really different from the normal fights that are sometimes valid and constructive. So after a valid fight, even if you haven't resolved the issue, let's just say you had a conversation about wanting extra help with the chores, you at least feel better that you got something off your chest. But as for these stupid fights that I'm calling them, they just actually make you feel really bad. There's no purpose to them. They make you feel terrible. And if you have too many of these silly arguments, it just makes you question why you two are even just together. You sometimes forget that the issue is something totally different. This is when you've let the time wasters creep into your life and take control. And then it's like they seep this poison into your relationship. You really can't let that happen to have a successful or really happy, healthy relationship. You need to step back and understand that these things happen and not to allow them to impact your relationship in a negative way. Understand that sometimes you guys are just like two people having both a really bad day at the same time, and that's totally normal. Bad days just happen to the best of us. They really do. And this brings me to actually one more final point that I'm going to try to sneak in right now, and I'm going to call it just look in the mirror. So are you happy with what you see? Are you the loving person that you always hoped that you would be in a relationship? Do you love that person who's staring back at you in the mirror? Can you see that she's actually always trying to do her best with the tools and resources that she has at any given moment? Could she possibly do with having a little bit more compassion or guidance? Because this is really it. This is your life. I always say that. And you've been living it for a while. So now it's sort of time to stop daydream and start taking action when it comes to all of your goals, including your relationship goals. So recommit to that person that you fell in years and years ago if that's what you want to do. There is no reason why we all can't have great relationships because it is a choice that we make. In fact, you probably already are in a great relationship, but maybe that light switch got switched off and you just need to flick it back on again. So the way to get out of a dark and just to nurture a healthier, happier relationship is to know, number one, you are responsible for your own feelings. No one can make you happy. You need to make yourself happy. The second is sometimes you really just need to be willing to agree to disagree. Sometimes we need to negotiate. Sometimes we need to give up that need to be right and choose happiness instead. Sometimes we will need to show grace and forgiveness to not only our partners, but to ourselves. Because healthy relationships are all about having a give and take. It's about understanding that fine art of negotiation. And by negotiation, I mean, you know, having a discussion aimed at reaching an agreement. And effective negotiation makes both partners feel as if their voice has been heard. It's about having those conversations where both partners walk away feeling as if their self-esteem has been preserved, that they're at least getting a little bit of what they want. Because remember, it's a give and take. It can't always go one person's way. And when you negotiate effectively, you sometimes understand that you might reach a decision that isn't necessarily the solution that you were hoping for, but next time it will probably be slanted in your favor because that's what unconditional love is all about. Just as we're so good at loving our children unconditionally, we let them stuff up all the time. We let them grumble and throw tantrums and do things that annoy us and we still love them. We love them without imposing a set of conditions. Then we should grant ourselves and our partners the same grace, unconditional love. 
It doesn't mean that we have to love everything about our partner or our kids or ourselves or our family. They're allowed to have these traits and habits that totally frustrate us and that is okay because unconditional love is allowing them to be who they were born to be. You don't need them to be different than they are for you to be happy. You accept and love them, flaws and all. Just the way that you do your children, then you do that for your partner. You accept them, flaws and all. So I know this is only the tip of the iceberg when it comes to having a conversation about relationships, but I've actually really enjoyed sharing with you some of the tips that I've learned from the last few decades. Remember, I've been with my husband for 22 years, and those are some of the tips that have really encouraged us to have a really good relationship. It's definitely involved us being really clear on what commitment means. It's having that understanding that not everything's going to be perfect in this world. We're all perfectly imperfect and we try not to confuse our own frustrations and assume that that means that there's a problem in a relationship. They're two different things. If you have a frustration going on elsewhere, it doesn't have to reflect badly on your relationship at all. In fact, those are the moments that you can turn to your partner for support, for guidance, for solace. He's there to help you. He's there to love you. And you're supposed to be on the same side. You're not like fighting this war and you're like opposing enemies. You're supposed to be on the same side, guys. Love does not need to be a battlefield. You can be a team. You can work together. And that's why I mentioned that fourth tip that I had, which is saying I'm sorry and mean it. Like learn the beautiful art of saying a good apology. Be forgiving, be compassionate. Those things are so important in a relationship. And just so you know, I said that there are always going to be time wasters and stupid things to fight about. If you go looking for it, you will find something wrong with someone to nitpick. But that isn't what unconditional love is all about. It really isn't. That's why I say, look in the mirror. How do you want to show up in your relationship? Do you want to be loving? Be more loving then. Do you want to be more committed? Show more commitment. Do you want to have fun? Introduce the fun. It all comes down to the fact that you are solely responsible for your own feelings and for your own actions. So any sort of relationship that you want to create with a committed, loving partner, you can do it. Now remember, your partner does not need to be perfect in order for you to be happy. Your partner does not need to be happy in order for you to be happy. We all have the freedom to think and do and say what we want. And your partner has that same freedom and you have that same choice. So when it comes to relationships, just understand that you're responsible for your own happiness. But this is such a gift that you give your partner when you come to the relationship, not desperately wanting or needing something from someone else to fill your tank. When you know how to take care of yourself, when you know that you are valued, when you know that you are worthy and you take that time to nurture yourself, you come to the relationship so much stronger and that gives your partner the freedom to fill his or her own tank up so that you can both come together in that relationship as fully functioning, emotionally mature adults that don't behave in childish ways, that don't drain each other's energy or expect the other person to change in order for them to be happy because it does not work that way. Remember? If you only take one thing out of this episode today, just understand that you're responsible for your own happiness. And that is it, my friend, for today. As always, I am so happy to have you here with me. I love and appreciate you all, and I cannot wait to catch you in the next episode. So until then, dream big, my friend. Thank you so much for listening. If you loved this episode, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out. And if you really loved it, you can show your support by leaving a review on iTunes. 
For more inspiration, head over to dreambigmyfriend.com where you will find even more content for all the dreamers out there. Until next time, dream big, my friend.